This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. Welcome into Halftime Adjustments. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by Dan Kovacevic. Dan, it is a gorgeous day outside. I want to start with that because, my goodness, it is a beautiful Pittsburgh day. Kind of reminiscent of fall a little bit, making you think a little more football. I don't know about you. That's kind of what it was like when I drove this um, This isn't the most popular sentiment, but I'm still very much in baseball mode. And I get it. Look, I mean, the, the Pirates aren't exactly knocking people dead right now. Uh, but I got super wound up for the resumption, or other start, I should say, of baseball season. Um, and that hasn't gone away for me yet. Uh, the fact that the Pirates have won two out of their first 11 games, it, you know, <laughs> I'm sure it's sucked a lot of life out of a lot of people. But, um, you know, it's still baseball for me right now. When we get a little bit cooler here, I'll start feeling the, I'll start feeling the football. Well, we can talk a little bit of baseball in a little bit, but we're going to jump and dive right into football. We heard from Ben Roethlisberger for one of the first times that we've heard from him. I guess the first time we've heard from him in this training camp, as you will call it, um, yesterday. We heard from Deontay Johnson today talking about how something's different with Ben a little bit. It was kind of interesting to get that perspective. You know, you heard Ben talk yesterday. You know, what were kind of your reactions from that? Well, the first thing is, as someone who's covered the better part of Ben's career and, and, and gotten to know him a little bit, the Zoom call that he had with us was some other Ben, okay? And I'm, I'm saying that in a good way, okay? Because Ben's not normally that happy of a dude, even when he's putting on the happy face, okay? When he's trying really, really hard, it shows that he's trying really, really hard. And that's not what this was. To me, Jenna, if you add up all of the different elements, uh, the surgery that he had, the fact that he acknowledged to us uh, openly and starkly, I thought that the elbow had been bothering him for, in his exact words, quite a few years, that he probably felt at some point along the way like, hey, this is just it. This is how this is going to be for me for the rest of the time that I'm in the league. It's just a growing ache or a growing pain, and that he was just going to have to deal with it. To his credit, he did deal with it. And the one pass that he threw in the Seattle game last week and week two to Juju ends up popping the thing. And then he gets into the details of it. He gets into the, the not to gross people out here, but the three tendons that come off the bone got reattached. Well, the, the important thing about that here, at the risk of turning into this, this into like the medical hour or something, is that the tendons remained intact. The tendons themselves so it's not like Tommy John surgery in baseball. They needed to be surgically reattached to the bone, which they were. It's a rare condition. It's something that in the NFL, we've only found that Jake Delhomme uh, from, from the Carolina Panthers a few years ago is the only other quarterback anybody can find on record that had this issue. He's a happy guy because he feels like he has his arm back, the thing that's brought him all the joy and all the money and all the everything else. You know what I'm saying? That was the sense that I got from him. And it does seem like all the guys are just responding to that eagerness, that happiness, because for a guy like him to be sidelined for the majority, all but two games of a season, I mean, that in itself for him was probably devastating. And for him to be back and for these guys to be back around him, there's kind of a palpable buzz. Yeah, but you mentioned earlier Deontay and, and, and his remarks today in, in his talk with us 
look, you can talk about what a great mood Ben is in. When you're talking about a wide receivers, you're talking about, are they getting me the ball or not? And Deontay said that Ben is throwing the ball harder now than he did last year. Again, he has no reason to say that if it isn't true. There's no benefit to it. There's no kissing up to the quarterback or anything. He's just – plus, Deontay is kind of a straight shooter. And, and, and for him to say that uh, lends a lot of credibility to what we've seen with our own eyes in the very limited videos of Ben. And I can't wait to get in there on August 17th, by the way, at Heinz Field uh, and see for ourselves. But – We've also seen it on video. We've heard other receivers say that he looks great. Uh, Juju's talked about it. James Conner has talked about it. These are all hugely encouraging signs. Remember, this team just needs an ordinary offense, not a good one. They just need an ordinary offense. How much confidence do you have in this offense? In this, I guess we can kind of talk more about the receiving core in a sense, because again, there are those names that people do have a lot of questions about when it comes to guys like Juju, when it comes to guys like Deontay, you know, being here for a little bit of a short time and kind of learning, but everyone, you know, it's kind of, I think it's across the NFL as well, but especially within the Steelers, like year one to year two, that jump is where they want to see everybody make such progress. And do we think yeah. we're going to see that? Well, we've seen it with most guys. Uh, Deontay Johnson had a, a wonderful rookie year, an underappreciated across the football world rookie year, I thought. Uh, and that was with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges at quarterback. Um, add Ben into the mix. And then, he, uh, I'm going to throw this in here anyway. Matt Canada coming here as quarterback's coach isn't Matt Canada coming here as quarterback's coach. This is a guy who's made a living, Jenna, as a, a play designer, uh, as, as a guy who has excelled at that. Uh, Pitt fans know all about it from his work with the Panthers a couple of years back when he was the offensive coordinator, and they were scoring like 75 points a game, in large part because of creativity. Um, Randy Feetner did not show creativity and originality to be his strength in the 2019 season. Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert don't believe in staying in your lane when it comes to their coaches. They believe in blurred lines. If you can help us in this way, we don't care what your title is. Watch for that. I am telling you, watch for this to be a factor going into this season. In addition to the talent they have, like you said, they have talent. That room is filled with talent. It is going to be super exciting to see that creativity, see that kind of spark and what, you know, this offense looks like as we kind of head into the season. Well, we're going to come right back in a little bit and we're talking some baseball. We kind of touched on it a little bit, but baseball and uh, Derek Shelton's decision making coming up. In just a Can't wait. Welcome back into Halftime Adjustments. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by Dan Kovacevic. Dan, the Pirates, you, you got some thoughts, you got some feelings, especially when it comes to some of the decisions that Derek Shelton has made. We saw, you know, a couple, a couple, I don't even know if I can say a couple, blown leads and bullpen decisions, all this. I'll kind of just throw it over to you there and let you go away with it. Well, I mean, as you and I are speaking on Wednesday, they're, they're two and nine. And that's a disappointment uh, for anybody who thought that just because of payroll, they were supposed to be awful. It, it's not the case. On one hand, 
you want to be fair because there's been eight injuries, five of them to pitchers. Now, you do that to any team in sports, and you're going to feel that, uh, let alone a team like the Pirates that had virtually no depth to begin with. The other thing that you have to factor into it out of fairness is that their top four hitters, Josh Bell, Brian Reynolds, Adam Frazier, Kevin Newman, all below the Mendoza line, all four of them. You could put the world's greatest manager out there and still not get W's. That said, when you have W's sitting on your platter, being pushed right up to your mouth, and then you do something remarkably ill-advised to throw that away, that is on the manager. And I've been disturbed, bordering on distressed at some of Shelton's decision-making in the very early going of his managerial tenure. He has brought in the wrong relievers at the wrong times. He has pitched to guys who he should have put on base. Um, we haven't seen great fundamentals. Jenna, you know that both Derek Shelton and Ben Charrington have said that the number one goal for the 2020 season is to, and I underscore here, get better. Ain't happening. Not individually and not collectively. So I don't want to hear, oh, they, they're lousy, you know, low payroll. They were supposed to be this bad. This is a disappointment. It's an actual disappointment. And I guess it makes me wonder in a sense too, how much of that, I guess, in your opinion, does it, is it the fact that this is Shelton's first year and, you know, they are kind of learning along the way? And I hope so. I mean, that, that's my answer. I hope he's stumbling and learning as opposed to, wow, I really meant to do this terrible thing. You know what I mean? It's like you, you hope that it's just him going, oh, man, that, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, next time I'll be better at that. I won't bring in Miguel Del Pozo with bases loaded uh, my starter just pitched great. I've got a three-run lead. I'm going to deliberately, not deliberately, and let's hope not deliberately, throw this lead away because this guy can't throw a strike to save his life. What does DePozo do? Walks three batters, throws four strikes out of that entire sequence. I, I, there's not a person in that stadium on either side, understanding it was just the two teams, who didn't know what was about to unfold. The other, the twins walk up there with their bats on their shoulder, knowing the guy can't throw a strike. The guy walks everybody. Derek Collin, who pitched a really good game, is sitting in the dugout going, what did I just do that for? It, it's, just, it's, it's not a good scene, and it's not something that's going to get better unless the manager starts getting a whole lot smarter. And if I'm correct, Del Pozo hasn't made it through an appearance yet. He's been pulled. I... I, I I can't fathom the idea that he pitches another game for this team. I, I just can't. I, I can't believe that. I, I just, I can't even process it. You can see it. I mean, the guy is horrendous. And we and knew. Was, and it wasn't just now. He was horrendous in Bradenton. He was horrendous in summer camp. He was horrendous in the exhibitions. This isn't some outlier. And it was one of those things that we knew that the bullpen was going to kind of be a little bit of a point of weakness for this team coming into the season. But to this extent? Well, to this extent, in fairness, the back end of the bullpen was supposed to be Kyle Crick as your eighth inning setup man and Keone Kella as your closer. Yeah. Kella gets diagnosed uh, positive for, for COVID-19 uh, and Crick ends up hurting his shoulder. So now you're left with nothing but middle relief. So again, I'm trying to be fair about the context here. 
he had in this situation that I'm describing, he had Chris Stratton available. He ended up bringing in Stratton to close out Del Pozo's mess. All you do there is bring in Stratton. Stratton's been really good with the bases loaded. This is what I'm talking about when I say decision-making. Close that out and give the team at least a chance to win that game with a 4-1 lead. Reward your starter for a good night. And we've been seeing solid performances from guys like Holland, from guys, I mean, Trevor Williams, for the most part, we've been seeing some decent things from those guys. The starters aren't a big issue here compared to some of the yeah they they haven't been great i mean you know their overall performance has been kind of okay i mean when Derek holland is your best starter you're not singing about the rotation um i didn't even mention losing mitch keller i mean mitch keller is going to be out for who knows how long with the with the the injury to his left side Uh, that was the last thing by the way that you wanted to see for this team because he's the young guy the up-and-coming one that you wanted to see make some real progress and now with this short season, if he can't come back, uh, that really, really stinks. So we'll see. They've had good performances out of their piggyback starters, Stephen Brault, JT Brubaker, who's going to be getting his first big league start tomorrow. Um, it, it's it, Whatever. Why are we still talking about this? Can we talk about hockey? Let's do that next, huh? <laughs> Let's talk some hockey. We will transition to that in just a minute. We will be right back here on Halftime Adjustments. And welcome back into Halftime Adjustments. We talked football, we talked some baseball, and hockey. This is, for me at least, Dan, I don't know about you, but this is March Madness on steroids. This is probably the best, the best every single day. You get five, six games, and they're all awesome. They're all so, I mean, majority are all really, really intense, super fun games. You got all these crazy storylines. But then there's also kind of that question of, you know, are people tuning out these games because they don't have fans? I want your perspective on that. Well, when I, you know, when, when you talk about tuning out, I guess there's two different ways to define that. One would be the ratings. Um, and if you look at the, the ratings for the first handful of days uh, of the NHL's playoffs, they are predictably very high in Canada where they are being played and where there is extensive media coverage because. The media is there. And then in the United States, with one exception, they've been very, very low. And we all know what the exception is because Pittsburgh is a complete outlier when it comes to this sort of thing. There's actually three markets where this applies. Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and St. Louis are the only – yeah, and, and, and you knew that coming from Buffalo. Yep. That, that's, the, the ratings are, are through the roof. People follow the Sabres. They follow the Blues like crazy. Uh, the Penguins are atop all of that in the United States. But the rest of them, the Rangers, New York, the New York market, which matters a lot, didn't do well at all. Now, now the other half of that equation is Raleigh, North Carolina, but New York is New York, and it needs to do well. To me, when I've had these games on, just being honest with you, and this is the other definition of tune in or tune out, I start drifting off. Because I don't hear that crowd noise. I don't feel that excitement. I'm not blaming anybody for it. This is nothing they can do, okay? Um, I think they've gone about as far as they can as artificial, at, at artificial crowd noise and 
music and pumping in the, the whatever the visuals they have on those medallions that are above the seats with the logos and everything. But it isn't the same. It, it, it isn't. You miss that, that fan feel, that fan urgency, especially when they score a goal. Have you noticed that there's like that second and a half where it even it even takes that long for the announcers to figure out. You know what I'm talking about? That yeah, a goal has we, been scored. What was it? I think the first Chicago Edmonton game. And again, they're doing all that they can for sure. But there yep. is that slight delay where like you hear Doc Emmerich and there's just a tiny bit of like, it's just like that half second. And for that, for all of that, it's like, oh, like obviously we want to say, you know, what it could be, you know, they are doing such a great job. I did have to laugh hysterically at the uh, um, hat trick thrower. The, uh, oh, that was great in Edmonton. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> it, was, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing. And um, Yeah, for I mean, anybody who didn't see it, uh, uh, there, was a, there was a girl that was working in, in, uh, in the, the main concourse who just walked down the aisle after Connor McDavid scored his third goal and flung one hat onto the ice. I thought in the video you could see one other one coming down the next aisle doing the same thing. Uh, it, it, look, I like having a sense of humor about it. That's great. I and mean, there's been all kinds of funny stuff. We've seen it in baseball. When I was in St. Louis covering Pirates and Cardinals, Fred Bird sits by himself out in left field. He literally has the entire quadrant of the stadium to himself, just sits back with his arms out, occasionally just motioning down to the field. Fred Bird being the mascot, sorry. Uh, but it's just, I don't know. I, I, whether we think they're doing all they can or not, I wonder about the longer-term impact of this because it doesn't have the same drama. And TV at its core and sports at their core on TV are reality television. Yeah. And when you don't have that drama, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, to me, I looked at those U.S. ratings, again, outside Pittsburgh, and that, that painted a scary picture for me. And I think it's just, it's so interesting too. Like there are so many points in a hockey game where you feel that momentum changing. You feel that momentum pushing in, you know, I think it was, gosh, um, it was the second period of game two between the Pens and Montreal and the Pens were just making such a solid push in Montreal's zone. They were keeping the no puck difference. in and yeah. you didn't feel it. You, you know, that's, that's a point where if you're here in Pittsburgh or even if you're in Montreal, like you hear everybody's reaction, you hear everybody kind of waiting at bated breath and we're not entirely getting that. And again, there, there is only so much that they can do, but like right. those are momentum shifting moments. And it, it's momentum shifting in your viewing experience too. And that's what I want to, that, that's why I keep coming into the tune in tune out. Okay. I tend to watch sports with a laptop I and mean, I just, I'm a workaholic. I, I keep, I just keep doing stuff. Right. Yeah. And if I hear something where everyone goes, ah, whatever, I'll stop you. We all will. Okay. Yeah. It'll, if it loses us for a second, it's going to draw us right back. You know, whether we're gazing at our phone or whatever it is. And that's the part that I don't think that they're going to be able to replicate successfully for the millionth time, not a criticism. There's nothing they can do. I just, I just wonder. Yeah. And it does make you kind of, obviously right now during these qualifying games, you know, there's importance out of everything or this, but what happens when it's, you know, the Stanley cup final? I mean, I guess that'll manufacture its own thing, but then, but then again, you're talking about primarily the two markets that are involved are the ones that historically have shown to have all the ratings. Uh, and you're not going to have that drama from the outside, no matter who those two teams are. So I'm glad they're doing this. 
Um, I wish they had found a way to conduct it in the United States, but I'm glad they're doing this. Uh, I'm glad there's not going to be a blank spot on the Stanley Cup. You'd hate to see that for the first time since 1919, when it also was, by the way, because of a pandemic. Uh, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's We'll see if football does it better. Yeah. Let's put it that way, you know. Just, and that's... I, Although I have a feeling, too, that when football comes around, unpopular opinion coming, I think you are going to see some fans in there. Really? Yeah. I, I kind of stadium's too big and it's outdoors, you know, it's just a different world. You know, we can put people in giant Eagle. We can put 5,000 people into Heinz field. Yeah. And I know there's been so many talk, so much talk kind of surrounding that where it's like, okay, if you know, you have season ticket holders who are families that are together, they get this section, this family, gets this section. I mean, yeah. that that's how you do it. And you know, maybe Spread them out. Hopefully, outdoors. hopefully we'll see that. And also hopefully again, that the NFL will take some lessons here from everything, from the NBA as well, and just kind of bring everything with mm-hmm. them. And the NFL is better than this stuff than anybody. Yeah, that's true. Well, when we come back, we're checking in, seeing what new things you're working on. Can't wait to hear. Stick with us on Halftime Adjustments. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. Dan, we love hearing what's new, what's going on with you guys. And there's an audio medium that's doing pretty well for you. Well, since you asked what we're hearing, uh, that would be our podcast. We're, we're, we were loading up on these things. Uh, I'm not going to lie. We're, we've been pleasantly surprised by the reception that we've gotten by the download count, which has been into the thousands, but it's also rising incrementally. I do a, a, a morning show called Daily Shot that's a half hour long where I just basically blather about whatever. And it's it's available every, each a.m. before your morning commute. And it's been pretty well received. I'm not going to stop writing. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a writer. It's what I do. None of us are. We're a writing outlet. But it's been pretty cool. It's a different way to express ourselves. And it's a different way for people to literally, in this case, hear us. Well, that's awesome. Tune in, download, get those downloads going, get all the content that you need along with, again, your fantastic writing. So we, uh, we love to hear that. We love, we enjoy it. Thanks so much for joining us on halftime adjustments and have a great Wednesday.